to you. Hi. How you doing? That good, huh? I'm doing great. You guys don't know this, luckily, yet. Um, when you have a newborn at home, you don't sleep. So if I, sound, if I slur my words or like skip over words, It's just because of the sleep factor. That was really awkward. Good. I'm glad you're taking pictures of people sleeping. Okay. All right, let's dive into it. Hey, before we get started, just turn to a neighbor and say, dude, I'm glad you're here. You know what? I'm glad you're here. Sometimes we need encouragement, right? And sometimes I need encouragement from the person sitting next to me. Just, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I get to see your wonderful little smile. I'm glad I get to see your wonderful smiling face. I'm glad you're here. We're jumping into a new series called James, and it's all about the book of James. And the cool part for me personally, the cool part for me personally is a lot of you know, my wife and I recently had a little baby, a little baby boy. His name's James. Isn't he cute? Dude, if you don't say, aw, we're not friends. Aw. Come on. He's a beautiful little baby boy. And here's another picture of, of James with Mia. Look, they're just best friends. I know. Actually, go back to the other one. So my, uh, my mom, right? I love my mom. She, uh, she came to the hospital. She came to the hospital and saw the baby. And she's holding James while he's, you know, 8, 12 hours old. And she looks at him and she says, Jeremy, he looks exactly like you. And I was like, oh. It means he's hot stuff, right? <laughs> My mom said, that's inappropriate, Jeremy. Okay, sorry, mom. Anyway, apparently I looked like that as a baby, so it's great. Hopefully he turns out better than I did. <laughs> Recently, I had this little baby boy, and we named him James. There's a long story to it, but some of it is because this name is biblical. And you may or may not know, but James, James is actually Jesus' little brother. And Jesus, he was the oldest in the family, and James was the little brother. And check this out. I bet you've dealt something like this. Throughout the entire time that Jesus was on earth, James and Jesus had tension. You ever have tension with your sibling? They fought. You see, because Jesus was not playing the role an older brother should play in Jewish times. Instead, Jesus was out doing what we call ministry. He was serving God in crazy ways. He was not at home taking care of the family. And James would call up. James would send messengers. James would get in, in contact with Jesus. And he'd say, come back. You're supposed to serve the family. And they had tension. The coolest part about that is that it makes Jesus and James, human. No longer are they just heroes of the Bible, but instead they dealt with the same human struggles that you and I deal with. They deal with the same tensions that you and I deal with. And James, we actually learn from his advice because he, he had tension. Later in his life, Peter left the church, and we see this in Acts, and James takes over as the church pastor or the church leader. 
And it's then that he starts writing letters to other churches in the area. And this one letter specifically is the one that we put in our Bible today because it's authoritative in God's word. And through this letter, there's five chapters in James, through this letter, we're going to spend the next um, five, actually six weeks, five, five weeks that will be here at Garage, one week will be off for Easter, but the next five weeks diving into the five chapters of James. And here's the reality. For those of you who come to Garage a lot, even for those of you who are new, you've probably heard me preach. You've probably heard somebody preach. You've heard somebody give words of wisdom or dive into what God's text is saying. And what I want to say is often, often we go through topics. We might go through topics that you're dealing with. We might go through dating. What's dating like? How do we do dating? How does that work? If, if Jesus was here, what would he date like in high school? We might go through drugs and alcohol. What does Jesus say about those things? But instead, we are going to just learn from his word. And we're going to spend some time learning from what God is telling us. When I was in high school, I used to just think the Bible was old, dead, and boring. But the reality is, it is not the Bible that's dead and boring. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's your soul. Maybe you haven't taken a chance to digest what God is trying to say to you. So here's what I ask before we dive into it. Here's what I ask. Take off any predisposed judgment you have. Break off any judgments you have about the Bible. Open your heart and mind to what beauty God's word may say to you. And as you're here, and I just had a conversation with a student, ironically, that said, well, I don't really like listening because uh, it never applies to me or it doesn't matter. What if you open your heart and mind, not to what Jeremy has to say. Jeremy has a lot of dumb jokes. That's about it, huh? What if you open your heart and mind to what God might want to say to you? So tonight, in the following weeks, can I just ask that? Can I just ask you to open your heart and open your mind, and even if you haven't been here in a long time, or even if it's your first time, not to what I have to say, but maybe what God wants to say to your soul. And when you open your heart and mind, you will be amazed, amazed with what God has to say. As I was having this second kid, right, Lindsay got pregnant, and I was, well, how does she get pregnant? I don't really know. It's a surprise. Wow. Lindsay got pregnant, and, and, you know, you go to this doctor where they put this funny jelly thing on the, on the mom's belly, and then they put this little scanner. It looks like you're scanning barcodes when you go to Home Depot. You can, like, scan stuff. Or uh, my friend KT works at Target. Do you scan stuff over there? You do. Okay, yeah. So a little scanner. So they get this little scanner out, right, when the baby is, like, a couple weeks old inside the belly. Maybe it's months. Is it months or weeks? Did you say months? Months. Okay, months. Mom is pregnant for a few months. They get the scanner thing out. And when they do that, they ask, okay, so do you want to know the gender? And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, I totally want to know. Is this a guy or a girl? We already have a Mia. Maybe we could have another girl. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that would be way too many girls in my house. Can you imagine? You a lot of estrogen. And so... So what happens is, is the doctor says, okay, I'm going to tell you. And I'm sitting there thinking like, oh, Lord, please, almighty. Please let me not be outnumbered. And he says, it's a boy. And instantly I'm happy, but three seconds later, I'm like, holy cow. I don't know if I'm ready to be a dad of a man. Look, this guy, yes, he's small and he's eight or nine pounds right now, but one day he's going to grow up and be a man of God, or that's my prayer and hope. And I look in the mirror instantly and think, 
I don't know how to be a man of God. How can I possibly teach a little child to be a man of God? And so I spend time, even when I'm in the hospital, I spend time trying to dive into what does it mean to be a man of God or even more so, what does it mean to be mature in God? For some of us, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you know, sometimes camps come around and all of a sudden I feel really connected and really close to God. Sometimes there's a really good sermon or there's a really good podcast or maybe there's really good worship and man, do I feel close to God. But most times, if we're honest, most times I feel like he's just there. He's just there. He's a part of my life and yeah, maybe he's important, but he's there. And I don't know if I can answer, what does it mean to be mature in Christ, to be a mature Christ follower, to have a deep and intimate relationship with Jesus? What does it mean? What does it look like? Do I know how to do that? That's why I ask myself these things. And you know, the theory is that I've, I've studied it, uh, I've, I've practiced it, I've understood it, I've had mentors, and I should know. But I think the reality is that it's a hard target to hit. So I started reading James, and my goal was to read James 10 times before we got into the series. And, I ended up reading a whole bunch of times. Did you guys, you guys have the Bible app? You know, you can just listen to it. Check this out. This is pretty funny. The Bible app, and I didn't know this. The Bible app has like different voices. You ever done that? And one of the voices, the dude like raps it. <laughs> it's pretty cool. So if you ever like need to listen to the Bible, you're like, man, I can't. There's a, there's, you have to pick the certain Bible and the voice that the guy like raps the Bible. And you're like, dude, this is, this is cool. <laughs> but I start reading James. And I try to figure out, what does it mean to be a dad? What does it mean to be mature in Christ? Those two things go hand in hand. And I think, you know, the best thing, maybe the best thing I can do is, is get enough money. Get enough money so Mia can go to college, so James can go to college, and they can have a car, and they can have a life and a roof over the head. No, that's not going to be it. Hmm. Oh, oh. What if... What if I give them all my time? You know, I just spend time with them. I, I don't know if I spent a lot of time with my parents. What if I give them all my time? And I get to spend time with, with my kids. And I'll show them that's what mature in Christ is. I, I don't know if that's enough. Okay, okay, what if this? What if to be mature in Christ, to be a good father, and to be an example of what it means to be mature in Christ, what if it means I have rules and boundaries, strict rules and boundaries, and you've got to follow these rules? And uh, I don't think that's it either. That feels like it wouldn't get very far. And then it hit me while I was listening to the little rapper guy on the Bible app version and reading through James 1 again. And James chapter 1 has one common theme. The entire book of James jumps into the theme, but James chapter 1 hits it on the head. Character. Character is what counts. Character is what matters. Character is what we care about. Character. We want good character. You see, James was written at an interesting time. It was written between 49 and 60 AD, and this is a time that there was already a church established. People knew who Jesus was, and they were just getting the word out, and the church was beginning. And here's what happened is, is the Jews and the Christian Jews who were just coming to Christ... They were being persecuted. They were getting thrown in jail. They were getting beaten. They were getting spit on uh, merchants. They wouldn't sell to them. Oh, you're one of those Christians? No, you cannot have rice. And they were getting persecuted. And the problem is, when you start to suffer, 
When you start to suffer, one of the first things that you lose is good character. All of a sudden, I go into survival mode, and nothing else matters but getting the next meal, or nothing else matters but being treated fairly, or nothing else matters but somebody loving me because I'm being persecuted. And James, he writes this letter, and he says, hold up a minute. You're telling me you're willing to sacrifice the person God wants you to be simply because you're suffering? You're getting picked on? You're getting bullied? And because of that, do you want to sacrifice what it means to follow Christ? And he comes back to the basics. Character. Character is what matters. Character counts. Good character. That's the thing that we are all looking for. And we don't even realize it. When you ask yourself, what does it mean to be mature in Christ? Step one. Know and love his gospel. That's the good news. Jesus Christ walked on this earth, died for our sins, and rose again. Step two is build character. The reality is we live in a world where we all want to stand out. We want to be special. We want to make a difference. We want to be important. We want to be liked. We want to have all the friends. We want 12 people to fight over me to go to prom. We want to have the cool car. We want to be the best on the team. We want to be important. And often, not always, but often, we sacrifice our character to accomplish those goals. If you can think about a time in your life, it probably pops into your head. Have you ever sacrificed your good character to be well-liked, to gain money, to gain influence, to gain friendships, to grab the attention of that guy or girl? Do you sacrifice your character because you believe you're suffering? That is the same letter that James is writing. He's writing to us today. James is all about character. And the reality is, it's easy to believe of Jesus. It's easy to believe in Jesus. It's easy to believe that Jesus walked on earth. You see, James even says it in James chapter two. James says, oh, so you think, you think it's good enough just to believe in Jesus. You think it's good enough just to say I'm a Christian. You think it's good enough to just tell people I go to church. Well, guess what? The demons believe in Jesus. The demons know Jesus. The demons are even in church. That's not good enough. It's not good enough just to believe instead, James says. Instead, we must develop our character. We must become the person or the people that God wants us to be. And I truly believe James even talks about pure joy. What is pure joy? He says, when we start to walk in the character, the person that God has made me to be, all of a sudden I have true and pure joy. Finally, I'm satisfied. I'm no longer reaching for something. I'm no longer reaching for that relationship. I'm no longer reaching for that sports team. I'm no longer reaching for those grades because 
I've become the person that God wants me to be. That's the difference between us and the demons, is we can achieve character. Character is defined a few different ways, but this is how I like it. I like, um, dictionary says this, the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual, to you as a person. What I like to think of it is like this. Character is how you act and react, even when you're being smacked. When you're getting smacked down, we've all had it. We've all been smacked down in some way. And in James, he's writing to the Jews who are getting smacked down, and he's saying, look, I know you're getting beat up, but it's how you act and how you react to when you're getting smacked to when you're getting beaten down, to when you're getting teased, to when you're getting bullied, to when something's not fair. It's how you act and react that shows character. Do you want to know who somebody truly is? Watch them when they're in the middle of tension. That's so important, especially when you're dating. If you want to know who someone truly is, find out how they react when they're being corrected. Find out how they act in the middle of stressful moments. Find out what they do and how they act and react within their lives. That shows character. It's easy to smile and be friendly when everybody else is smiling and be friendly and being friendly. It is hard to have good character, the attributes, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. These are the things that are difficult when there's tension. And James calls us out and says, what are you doing? You're acting like everybody else in this world. And when things are hard, when things are stressful, when I don't have enough time to complete the tasks, when my friends are ditching me or stabbing me in the back, how do you act? That shows character. The people that can be the most frustrating are the ones who don't seem to get upset when things bother them because you're like, why are you not angry? You should be just as angry as me. And guess what? This is what people do who have a low bar of character. They start to give you all the reasons you should also be mad. Maybe when we have, when we have developed, when we have pursued, when we chase after the character that God puts in us, nothing can tear us down. I'm not at all saying I'm perfect, but I was sitting at lunch with, and Bryce was there too, and my two little babies, and Lindsay said, you know, nothing bothers you. I kind of looked at her and I said, well, yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, there are things that I get frustrated about, and, and there's situations where I can get angry, and there's things that I don't think are right or just, but for the most part, because I've got a God that's bigger than that, and it's only through him that I have developed character. N.C. Wright is somebody that um, writes all these books. He's a pastor, and he writes this. What matters? What matters? In Christianity, what matters is not to simply keep a bunch of rules. What matters is character. 
You see, growing up, and still I think we do it, we, we, we screw it up. We screwed up this relationship with Jesus, and we made the word religion into a negative word. The word religion is actually beautiful, and it has this history of relationships. But we screwed it up, and we became Pharisees. And if you remember the New Testament, might talk about it, or if you've ever heard of it, there's these guys that are named the Pharisees, and they're actually the ones who put Jesus on the cross. Well, guess what? Little known fact, the Pharisees were the ones who followed God to a team. They followed God's laws, and Jesus said, you've got it wrong. It is not simply to keep a bunch of rules. Following God is not just a bunch of rules that make things sound boring, not just boundaries that we should not bump into. Instead, God says, I've got a bigger plan for you, and it starts with your character. It starts with who you become. It starts with the decisions that you make. It starts with you. Jesus is only going to push you as hard and as far as you're willing to go. He is a gentleman. And he says, most of the New Testament without saying it says, develop good character. So how do we do that? James chapter 1 um, gives us three steps. There's a lot to James chapter 1. I was telling somebody today, I could preach a sermon on every single, every single verse in James um, easily. But I'm just going to give you three things that I kind of took away, three things that make sense. It's how do I build good character? How do I do that? How do I take the steps to build good character, to live a fulfilling, happy, joyful life and becoming more like the person God wants me to be? Number one, we see it in chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. I'm going to throw it on the screen. Says this, uh, this is the NLT if anyone's taking notes. This is the NLT. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Stop there. Here's the problem we have, and maybe it's because we live where we do, maybe it's because it's been an example for us. When trouble of any kind comes consider an opportunity for great joy what do most of us do when there's trouble we just complain we just complain and whine and life's not fair and my friends are mean consider it an opportunity for joy that is character nothing can take me down because God told me, when trouble comes, I will walk in joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a change to grow. That's supposed to be chance. Your endurance has a chance to grow. Step one to developing good character, endurance. We give up too quick. We complain too quick. We look at the negative too quick. We decide everybody's against us too quick. We think that we have no friends too quick. Too quickly do we jump to, I can't believe the world's beating me up instead of saying, I have troubles and James says I should have joy. It is a simple decision on paper, hard to do in person. Next time you have troubles, remember James Chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, consider it an opportunity for joy because now you get to grow your endurance. My mom, wonderful lady, she's run 10 marathons, and marathons are crazy. You people who like running, you're weird. I mean, I don't know what else to say. You're just weird. 
So my mom loves it, right? 26.2 miles, that's the thing, right? Oh my gosh, sounds terrible. And she says, okay, I talked to her, and she says, every runner hits a wall. Every runner hits a wall. It's different at different times. You know me, I'd be like, I get one mile in, and I'm done, you know? That's where we have to develop endurance. My mom first started, she would run one mile at a time, one mile at a time, one mile at a time. She had to train herself to have endurance, and she said it wasn't until mile 20 then that she would hit a wall. And once you're at mile 20, it's like, man, I can get there. I'm almost there. I know it's going to be hard, but I can do it. That is endurance. It is something we don't have. It is a character trait we never think about, but we desperately need. Do you have endurance to make it through this life? Or are you going to sit back and complain and whine? It's not getting any easier. And James says, when trouble comes... Consider it an opportunity for joy because you get to build your endurance. Number two. He says a lot, but these are the three that I liked. Number two. Um, James chapter one, verse five. Throw it on the screen. He says this. If you need wisdom, you've heard this before, hopefully. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Seek wisdom. Seek wisdom through his word. Seek wisdom through prayer. Seek wisdom by sitting in silence and saying, God, clear anything out of my mind that is not from you and speak to me, Lord. Seek wisdom. Seek wisdom through your leaders. Seek wisdom through your parents. Seek wisdom from people who are a little bit older than you, who are maybe more mature in Christ. Seek wisdom. You have every opportunity at your fingertips. Seek wisdom. If we're trying to develop character, We need endurance because it's going to be a hard path and we also need wisdom. Seek wisdom. Why not, right on your bathroom mirror tonight, pray for wisdom and every night when you brush your teeth, hopefully. I'm kidding. Every night, you just say, Jesus, give me wisdom. His word says, ask for wisdom and he will grant it to you. Seek wisdom. Number three, as we're developing character, found in James chapter one. This is verse 27, and it sums up the entirety of the chapter. It's the very pinnacle of what's happening. And right before this specific verse, or or the, the first half of this verse, is taking care of the orphans and the widows. And then James slams in the truth. And he says, look, this is what matters. Refuse to let the world corrupt you. Refuse to let the world corrupt you. Whether you like it or not, the world is trying to, actively trying to, seeking after you, trying to corrupt you, trying to say, get on this side. Follow this plan. Think of these things as important. Treat people this way. Consider the world is corrupt. It was then, of course it is, 2,000 years later, more so. Refuse to let the world corrupt you. While we're building character, we can learn three things from James. We have to gain endurance. We have to seek wisdom, and we have to reject corruption. I don't just mean political corruption. That seems to be a buzzword. That is not what matters. The corruption is everywhere, 
It's everywhere. You're not good enough for X, Y, Z. That is corruption and not true. That's a lie from Satan. You're not pretty enough. You don't have enough likes. You don't have enough friends. You don't do well enough in school. Those are all lies. That is corruption. Reject corruption. It is up to you. It is up to you and only you. No one else can do it for you. It is up to you to take time to build character, to build character. And I can't emphasize how important it is to be able to look in the mirror and say, I know who I am and I like that person. That's hard. That's really hard to do. The problem is often what we do is we morph into the person in that mirror. We morph into somebody that everybody else wants me to be, to look the right way, to act the right way, to have the right friends, to have the right date. But if you pursue character instead of friendships, or if you pursue character instead of popularity, if you pursue character instead of the goals that are brought to you, now you can become the person that God wants you to be. And she Wright says this. It's kind of long, so stick with me. Be on the screen. Character. Character is what happens when someone, I should read it on here, what, when someone has made a thousand small choices that require effort and concentration to do something which is good and right takes a lot of concentration sometimes to make the right decision and character happens when I've made a thousand small choices that require effort to do the right thing but which does not come naturally part two and then on the thousand and first time when it really matters they find that they do what's required automatically Character is what happens when wise and courageous choices become natural. It does not happen overnight. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort. It takes pursuing. And what happens is after a thousand times of pursuing the correct choices or the things that matter or being the person that God wants you to be, when you start to pursue that the thousand and first time, now it comes naturally. Now, just like the potter's clay in Jeremiah, I have been shaped and formed into the person God wants me to be. Character counts. Character counts. I'm going to end with this last thought. This is kind of confusing, but it's a mindset change. Here's where we need to land. This is how we know it's working. Often our responses or our act or our reactions to things, often I land on, I shouldn't do something. I shouldn't do something because I know it's against the rules. Right, when we're making a decision, when, it, when my friend calls me at 11 o'clock at night and says, hey man, you should sneak out tonight so that we can go. I don't know, I used to throw crab apples at cars. Don't do that. Sneak out, we can go throw crab apples at cars, man, it'll be so fun. And usually, your first thought, of course, is, oh my gosh, that would be so fun. 
and your fear steps in and your thought is, I shouldn't do it because it's against the rules. My parents have set rules and boundaries and I shouldn't do it because it's against the rules. That's good. That's not a bad thing. But when we see good, developed, mature character, my response is no longer I shouldn't do it because it's against the rules. Instead, my response should be I shouldn't do it because that's not me. That's not who I am. That's not who I want to be. The next time you're tempted, whether it's through pornography or, or ditching class or, or drinking, instead of just landing on the low bar of I shouldn't do it because it's against the rules, what if you said you empowered yourself and said, I have a God that lives inside of me. I shouldn't do it because that's not me. I don't want to be that person. When I look in the mirror, I want to look at that person and love that person, not me. That's not me. Character is what changes that. The flip side of that coin is the same concept. Often when we're coming to decisions, I should do that. I should do something because I'll get blank. I should go to the party because I'll get drunk and it'll feel great for 12 minutes and then it'll be awful. I should do that because I'll get the attention of that guy. I should do that because I'll get the attention of that girl. I should do that because I'll get famous on TikTok. I should do that because people will start to like me. I should do that because of something selfish. Character changes our answer. I should do something. I should do something because that's who God wants me to be. I should do something because that's who God wants me to be. I should buy lunch for a friend. I should do my homework instead of sneak out. I should choose to flee from sexual temptation. I should not not because of the pressures of people around me, not because even the pressures of my parents, not because of the pressures of my coaches, not because of the pressures of social media, not because of the pressures of my teacher, not because of the pressures of the people that want me to perform, not because of the pressures of the people that you want to be liked by, but instead I should do something. I should do it because it's who God wants me to be. we walk through life having these two responses. I should not do it because that's not who I am. And I should do something because that's who God asked me to be. We start to develop character. Now I can look in the mirror and say, that's the guy, that's the man, that's the woman, that's the mature Christ follower. That's the person God wants me to be. Let's pray and we'll jump into worship.